Welcome back. It's me, the Susan Anime, and you are listening to Sloth Under the Sea with me. And we will be talking about movies, TV shows, books, fun holidays, everything from other countries to does this still hold up to this day? From, like, rub brats to, like, as told by Ginger, to Movie Monday, to True Creepy Things Tuesday, to whatever I feel like talking about because this is my podcast. And I hope you all will stay and listen to me and have some good old-fashioned podcast fun. And we'll try to stay as calm as we can. But let's get into it and let's all have some fun listening. And you can also see me sometimes on YouTube doing my podcast as well. Okay, here we go. podcast is for kids so ask a parent guardian before watching buying or doing anything or listening to a podcast it may or may not like the podcast content content so always ask permission before you do something but I would say I hope you all like my podcast enjoy the things I talk about on the one podcast I talk about animals and mythical creatures. On the other, I talk about like Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon, Dumbo, Disney, Easter eggs, stuff like that. So I do have like two I do two characters that have podcasts. One's like a mermaid hybrid. She's like a fairy mermaid creature, and the other's like a person who likes boy and girl things and talks about them like Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, um, Dragon Ball Z if you want. So check it out. Enjoy. This is a kid disclaimer. This is made for kids. Always ask a parent, guardian, or someone who is in charge of you before watching, buying, listening to, or doing anything. In my podcast, YouTube, 
Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. I also hope you all have a wonderful day and enjoy some of these videos and podcasts and different things that I do. And remember, don't always be self-contained at home. You should be cautious and make sure it's the right thing for you. And make sure your parents are okay with it or your guardians. I also hope you all have a wonderful, great day, afternoon, and night. And I hope every kid out there is enjoying their free time. And have a great, wonderful day and enjoy my for today we're going to talk a little bit about photography and a little bit about this kids book I wrote for little kids. You could check it out on my YouTube to see the actual book but I figured I would read the story to you all. I would love to get it actually out there. The Ponds, Pickles Panini, Family of Pigs. Pizza, king of the pigs, is the oldest. Popcorn owns a corn shop where they make all kinds of stuff. All kinds of corn stuff. Pickles can't wait to spend time with all of her friends. Panini likes to read. Potatoes likes to roll around in mud. Peanuts loves to take naps on rainy days. Peas likes to make food. Pineapple loves to cuddle with their best friend. Peaches likes to jump rope. Pancakes is the youngest. Dad Pond is a teacher. Mom Pond likes flowers. The Pond family of pigs are a group of 12 pigs. These are their friends. So, if you all like this, let me know and I can make a book too. But that is the short story. It's for little, little kids. So I hope you all enjoyed it. I wrote it, drew it, colored it in. I did um, a very makeshift book, but I did every piece of it. Okie dokie, artichokey. It's time for an ad break slash sponsor. So I hope y'all listen and keep on tuning in because we will continue this conversation after our ad slash sponsor. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast today and the sponsor and ad will be right back. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast. Please stay tuned because the ad is coming up soon. 
And with the ad coming up soon, I know y'all might want to skip it, but you should at least try to listen to some of it. Maybe it's important. I hope y'all tune back in for more of this podcast. And I hope the ad and sponsor is a good one, Artichokey. Okay, dokie, Artichokey. Ah, break it's now. Now, welcome back to my podcast. I am your host, the Susie Anime O'Hagan. Yes, that's the name I went with. And we just talked about the Pawns family of pigs, which is a great, fantastic, Now we're going to talk about close-up and microphotography. This comparison guide includes step-by-step, you know, that. Defining the term. Imagine that you see a mushroom growing in a wood. You walk past it. Your dog investigates it with its nose. Your son or daughter tries to touch it. Eyes wide fascination. When you get home, you try to describe it to someone, but all you can remember is that the mushroom was red. Now imagine the same subject seen through the eyes of a close-up or micro-photographer. The red cap of the mushroom dotted with white indicates that it is a fly arctic. You know from the field guide that the white specks are the remains of the veil that once covered the fruiting body. Having crunched down to study the gills from underneath, you notice that they don't—they do not quite touch the stem. There is a chuck missing from the cap. Circular bite suggest the work of a horse, not doubled, doubt discarding from eating the whole by its ooh, legendary poison. When you're on the ground, you can smell the decaying vegetation surrounding the base of the mushroom. You can also feel the damp leaves against your skin, leaving a grubby imprint on your knees. Rising to your feet, you scan the surrounding landscape and note that the fly chick all sprout around breech trees. All of this information forms the background to your picture. As you step up your tripod, set up your tripod, camera, and lens, the small sounds and stubble details guides your comparison. Now when someone asks you to describe what you saw, you delight in transporting him or her to the clearing in the woods without even leaving home. You perform this clever trick when you show them your photography, childlike curiosity. Close up, a microphotographer requires the adoption of a childlike curiosity, but thoroughly exploring a subject, we can begin to understand its incorrect beauty. We notice the curve of a shell on the beach 
are the complementary colors of our neighboring flowers. Furthermore, by remaining repetitive, we allow the subject to dedicate our photogenic approach. If, for example, the shell has a mark that threatens to dominate the picture, we shift our composure to elements. This imperfection. Similarly, if the flowers are blowing too violently in the wind, we create a handmade windbreaker to arrest their movement. While we must learn to respond to the subject, we must also understand how to control as many of the vegetables as possible. One of many joys of close-up Microphotography is the size of the stage on which we perform. While landscape photographers sweat and stress over the shape of a distant tree and the condition of foreground flowers, close-up and microphotographers have the advantage of working on a much smaller scale. Most of the time, distracting elements can be played down or removed altogether to improve the comparison, but that's not to say that close-up and microphotography is without its challenges, far from it. Learning all you can about your subject allows you to photography in a, an informed and imagined way. Many great images appear to have been created Traditionally, but in reality, they are the result of good photography technique combined with personal style and vision. Learning how to use the equipment at R. A reproduction is classed as close up, not micro. A reproduction. Disposal whether we own a top-of-the-range large-format camera or a low-budget compact camera enables us to communicate our vision effectively. Just as a painter knows which brush to use to create a certain effect, a photographer knows which lens, aperture, uh, and shutter speed will best deliver his or her message to the viewer. In time, these choices become intuitive. Whether you decide to use 35mm film or medium format digital equipment, the decision over depth of field, focus, and lightly often remain the same. While this book mainly focuses on digital equipment, the mythology, field craft, theory, and composure techniques are equal as resilient to film users. Before going any farther, it's important to understand some of the terminology used in micro and close-up photography. Although the term used up and microphotography are often used interchangeably, in reality only a reproduction radio of one slash one dot dot one or a microfiction of one dot life size can be classed as micro. Anything less than that is simply classed as close-up. To 
clarify things further. The term reproduction radiate is used to describe the relationship between the size of the subject in real life and the size it is recorded on the senior. For example, a reproduction radiate of 1. Well, dot dot 2 means that the subject will appear half its actual size on the sensor or film, whether a reproduction rat radiate of 2 dot dot 1 means that the subject will appear twice its actual size on the sensor. Finally, manufacturing is simply another way of expressing the reproduction. If, for example, the reproduction rat radiate is 1 dot dot 2, the manifestation factor will be 0.5 times, whereas a reproduction radiate of 2 dot dot 1 will have a managed factor of 2. Things get more complicated when you move beyond 10 life size and enter the realm of microphotography. The technique and tools required for this particular gene are beyond the scope of this book. Revealing a hidden world, let's return to our mushroom. This time, we will not pass it by. Sending a few moments studying the texture, pattern, and structure of this fungus leads us to hundreds of ideas for close-up images. By adapting the unique, exclusive mind of a child, we have entered a hidden world in the small kingdom beetles and bugs shell ladder. Shelter from the rain in the coral of a fallen leaf. While slugs leave a dragotus larvae trail across the grass. These beautiful events are quite ordinary, but with the help of a camera, we can begin to explore and record them in an extraordinary way. Perhaps more importantly, we can share this vision with others, helping them to understand the interact of the miniature world and the sheer joy of close-up and microphotography, spending, spending time studying the texture and patterns of the natural world can lead to hundreds of ideas for close-up images. Choosing the right equipment. Close-up photography is a specialized subject, but that's not to say that all the equipment used to produce farm-filling pictures needs to be expensive or overly complicated. However, there are a few items that do require a large outlay, namely cameras and lenses, digital compact cameras. So I'm gonna derail for a minute. I do have a camera and I will be right back. I'm going to. Okie dokie, artichokey. It's time for an ad break slash sponsor. So I hope y'all listen and keep on tuning in because we will continue this conversation after our ad slash sponsor. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast today. And the sponsor and ad will be right back. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast. Please stay tuned because the ad is coming up soon. 
And with the ad coming up soon, I know you might want to skip it, but you should at least try to listen to some of it. Maybe it's important. I hope y'all tune back in for more of this podcast. And I hope the ad and sponsor is a good one, Artichokey. Okay, dokie, Artichokey. Ah, break it's now. Okay, so I found my cameras, but one. Either I misplaced it or it got stolen, or it's somewhere where I just don't remember. And it's a Polaroid camera. No clue. Things happen. If I have to buy a new one, I have to buy a new one as much as I don't like to. I have like one of those Nikons and I have the windbreaker and I have the small lens, the big lens. I want to get the sports photography lens so bad. I love photography. You know, I take pictures with my phone. I took pictures with what I could use back in the day. But let's continue. Most households own at least one compact camera. They are light, small enough to fit in your pocket and relatively cheap. If you want to be sure that you never miss a photo opportunity, the portable and ruggedness of compacts make the ideal for everyday use. However, compacts have a built-in zoom, limiting the facial length you can select. Manufacturers like to impress potential customers by using terms such as 10 times digital zoom, but what you're really looking for is an impressive oculic zoom. So yes, I actually had one very small digital camera back in the day that I could afford from like Walmart. Then eventually I got a one that had the built-in like lens already. It's not my favorite camera. And then when I found out that you're supposed to actually get ones that if you want to be a real photographer that interchange and do a lot with, that is what you can do. So if you have the money and the time, or if you need to work up to it, I would say save your birthday money, save money, ask for a gift with interchangeable Zoom. But if you have to work small, you can start with your phone, then the digital ones from like Walmart, Walgreens, and then work your way up to the bigger stuff. It's definitely worth to get the interchangeable ones. They have so many different types of lenses that it works so amazingly. Like the lenses work and the optical zoom. The difference between optical and digital zoom is fairly straightforward. Quality optical zoom uses the lens to draw the subject closer. Digital zoom crops a portion of the image and enlarges it, often resulting in a loss of image quality. Furthermore, some compacts suffer from a condition known as parallax error. What this means is that when you look through the 
viewfinder, what you are seeing is not exactly what the lens is seeing, resulting in images that don't previously match those you composed. Also, here's a huge tip I learned taking a couple photography classes. Take more than one photo of the subject. Take multiples. Even if it looks horrible, if you take more than one, you might get one that actually looks great. But also, try to get a good shot. Just don't like go for something that's kind of boring. I did sports photography and we went to a soccer game and they're like, get the ball, get the players pushing each other. Just don't get like the ball itself, get players and the ball and the goals and the scoreboard. Take different photos, which I think is pretty cool. Okay. The effort will be external for close-up. On the plus side, parallax error can be overcome by framing your picture using the LCD screen on the back of the camera. Compacts are often referred to as point-and-shoot cameras. That's the one I have, right? I have that one, which is the one I started with college. Like, the very first one I started on was actually just a digital camera that you could get at, like, Walmart or Walgreens. It was cheap, easy, and I took photos of everything. You better believe everything. That's why my phone storage is so bad. I take photos of everything. TV shows, people, different things. It's interesting. But the straightforward and shooting camera isn't the best if you want to go to like photography or be a photographer. It's good for practice. It's good for like small things. But if you want to like go out and be a photographer, that's not the camera you want. Trust me, I learned from my mistake. Point and shoot cameras are okay. I aim that hits at the amount, amount of automatic decision these models make on your behalf. However, these tools have come along in recent years and the amount of automatic that can now be overridden is impressive. All the last model photographers can change iOS sensitivity A-P-E-R-T-U-R-E size shutter speed and file size at the touch of a button. Many top end models now offer a resolution of 10 megapixels or more, making them ideal for large reproductions while they might not offer the same flexible features as DSLA, although some models now feature interchangeable lenses. Get those. If you can afford it, get it. If not, save up to it and then get it. You'll love it way more. You could change the camera. You can change the lens. You can change. There's so much you can do more with that camera. I'm sorry for hearing this loud sound. I There's like a giant sparkle on my microphone. It was freaking me out. Don't know why, but it was. Close-up images can be taken with a compact camera if you're willing to experiment. What to look out for?
support. If you decide to use a compact for close-up, consider the following. Check the LCD screen is 2.5 inches or more. It's also useful if it's articulated. Look for an optical zoom of times 2.5 or more. Find out if parallel error is likely to be a problem. Look for a variety of manual settings. Check if the camera has close-up or micro-mode. Ah, we're getting to the two cameras that I own. I own a Nikon and a Canon. Here's the thing. The Canon that I own is not interchangeable. It's just a straight shoot. But the Nikon is interchangeable. And the Nikon I like so much more. Sorry, Canon. At the name suggests, bridge cameras fill the gap between compact and DSLRS, barring the rugged personal look interior of their more advanced cousins. These cameras are often lighter and come with a fixed lens. While the inability to use different lenses might not seem like much of an advantage, the fixed lens on bright cameras have been designed to accommodate expensive focal ranges. At the shot end of the lens, wide-angle pictures are possible. While the long-end telephoto images can easily be obtained, in addition, a fixed lens removes the need for sensor cleaning as the interior of the camera is never exposed to the elements. Okay, story time. Mm -hmm. This might be my kid-friendly show, but here's a tip. Never ever take your... Um, don't... Okay, how do I explain this? I decided one year to take my camera to the beach. Little old me taking it down to the beach to get really cool shots. Got amazing shots. Like, photos. Got amazing photo shoots. I took, like, photos of waves, the sand, plants. Here is a tip. Do not put your camera in a bag that has touched the sand. Because then it gets into your camera lens. And once it gets into your camera, you have to get it cleaned. If they can clean it, then you are lucky. I have the red Nikon, which is old. They do not sell it anymore. So, my unfortunate problem was, if the sand would not come out of my camera, I would have had to buy a new camera. And it would not be color, because there is no more red or colorful cameras, apparently. Due to COVID, there was hardly any cameras either. So when we went and found out like, hey, yeah, there's sand in your camera. We may or may not be able to get it out. We will see. And it's a little pricey, but I was lucky enough that someone was nice enough to get it clean for me. And they're like, I'm like, is it expensive? He's, and we were debating. If it was expensive and it cost the same to get a new one, we would have just gotten a new one. But because my camera was literally the, like one of the few that was like worked and colored red, <gasps> excuse me, 
I was happy that it like there wasn't I looked for other cameras and there wasn't any and I was like so sad luckily knock on wood it has been fixed but yes be careful taking your camera during certain weather I have a windbreaker now I didn't have one back then but the thing is you still gotta be careful with your camera I know your phone could take great photos too but this kind of camera has like a different like style to it. I would love to try the old like really old cameras where you have to go to like a black room and like put the photos in ink but then I'm like I have allergies so I can't really do that but so just be careful with your cameras. Um okay on the flip side fixed lens will never be able to offer the flexibility that an interchangeable lens system provides. Despite their shortfall, bridge cameras are generally very versatile. The photographers can change iOS sensitivity, aperture size, shutter speed, file size, white balance, and measuring system with ease. Furthermore, mode bridge cameras offer other view, live view, and an electric viewfinder these opinions mean that the photographer sees exactly what will be recorded. Elementing the problem of parallax error found on some compact cameras. I had that problem on my compact camera. It happened quite a few times. Particularly these electronic advances have a downside. Can stacked use of view live view can drain the battery power quickly. Well, the LCD screen can be tricky to see in bright sunlight. Here's another tip. Charge your battery. Have multiple batteries. I was told to have more than two at one point. I only have, I think, two for the Nikon. Eventually, if I ever do like have like a photography job, I'll buy more photography stuff. But Dang, is it weird? Because I was like, okay. But I realized the photography camera, you need multiple batteries, especially if you're doing a job. And maybe, depending, two cameras, because the camera could, like, crap out, die, like, after a while. But anyway, like, I prefer the... Nikon digital. The Canon's not bad, but like I said, the one I have is just a straight shoot. Can be tricky to see in bright sunlight. What to look out for? If you decide to use a bridge camera for close-ups, consider the following. Oh boy. Beardy? Artichoke, it's time for an ad break slash sponsor. So I hope y'all listen and keep on tuning in because we will continue this conversation after our ad slash sponsor. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast today. And the sponsor and ad will be right back. I hope y'all enjoy this 
podcast, please stay tuned because the ad is coming up soon. And with the ad coming up soon, I know y'all might want to skip it, but you should at least try to listen to some of it. Maybe it's important. I hope y'all tune back in for more of this podcast. And I hope the ad and sponsor is a good one, Artichokey. Okie dokie, Artichokey. Ad break is now. I hope y'all like. You can check me out on Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. I also have another podcast. I hope y'all enjoyed this podcast. Bye for now. Over and out.